Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of 10 Things Friday, where we keep you up to date in the world of retail technology in the future. Uh, March the 14th, nearly a third of the way through the 2021 calendar year. Um, wow, amazing. Time flies when you're uh, having fun at home. Um, uh, it's been a big week, or big fortnight, I should say, in the uh, in the land of um, retail technology in the future. Um, I got I came up with my five really quickly, which is a bit unusual because I tend to be a little bit, you know, I get a bit funny about, and I sort of search. Oh, there's another one. There's another one. But uh, I found them pretty easily. Um, there seems to be a lot going on. Uh, how have you seen the world, Bim? Oh, the world uh, in the last few days. Uh, there's a few things that um, have picked up my um, interest. Um, I'll start, uh, parochially enough, with the Australian and Australian story in two parts. Um, in like most things in Australia, for for those uh, listeners and viewers that are not from uh, down under, uh, just about every industry we have uh, has two players. So there's two airlines, there's two district manufacturers, um, there's two um, more or less insurance companies, there's four banks, that's just an aberration. Okay. Um, there's two telcos, you know, there's two of, there's basically two of everything. It's a it's sort the of- It's Noah's Ark, it's a Noah's Ark of uh, Noah's industry. Ark. Uh, a duopoly in, in most places. Uh, and there's two grocers, there's two major grocers. There's a few others, but there's two major grocers. One of them is called Coles and the other one is called Woolworths. Now, it turns out that this last few days, both of them in a very rare uh, uh, moment, at the same time, disclosed a bunch of how their tech works and what's in, important for their business in terms of what the tech delivery uh, does. Uh, Coles uh, declared that uh, they have a core forecasting engine, which is a very advanced analytical algorithm and forecasts stock movements down to the day, um, as well as pricing and demand. So that was kind of uh, one of the things that came out of that. And uh, there's, while we're not saying that, it, it appears to be some sort of AI or some sort of machine learning uh, um, sophisticated engine. And according to calls, it takes about 1500 different features uh, into consideration um, and a couple of um, um, of those things uh, uh, made the, all the difference in uh, in how calls responded uh, to uh, the pandemic and how they got uh, insights and, and so on to be able to get into automatic automatic ordering for their stores so that was the um, uh, that was the story from uh, from calls where uh, uh, at the same time it reveals that uh, their IT department's got about 1,800 uh, team members and around 300 active projects. So quite a big, quite a big shop. And at the same, on the other side, and Woolworths, the competitor of the Duopoly, um, revealed that um, uh, Tata Consultant Services are at the core of of what they're doing as a valued. Uh, as a value partner um, when they announced um, the 2021, I guess, um, tech uh, vendor awards or tech uh, partner awards. Uh, 
which is quite interesting. Uh, uh, you know, Paul's uh, showing tech at the core of, or claims tech at the core of his success, while Woolworths is focusing on um, things like uh, TCS, as well as a couple of other people. Interesting uh, newcomers in the game, Work Jam, which is something that uh, uh, helps workforces uh, work more efficiently. And that um, um, is a ex-colleague uh, of ours, Andrew Myers, I Andrew think, Myers is, is part Andrew of the, Myers um, is, yep. That's correct, Andrew Myers is leading, is leading that. So WorkJam made it into the top, uh, into the mention uh, of uh, the Woolworths uh, technology uh, team. Uh, quite, quite contrasting. It, it, it does happen sometimes that way, but um, there's a little bit of, um, yeah, a little bit of an insight which I found interesting. Uh, um, but both uh, both of these things came came around at the same time. Yeah, and uh, I suppose a couple of interesting um, observations, and, and we've had this discussion. And um, it is always interesting incremental improvements to forecasting, and how well that can um, influence given the operational impact of replenishment, like just, you know, it, it, it all needs to connect through to the supply chain and um, whether the incremental improvements in forecasting actually come, you know, gets to the bottom line, given the, you know, the need to ensure that the stock's on the shelf or, you know, the actual um, last mile of, of the replenishment game. Um, have you had any refinements to, to your views on that, Tim? Or what's what's your view um, on that? I'd be interested. Um, I think I think one of the things that uh, for me, when I get uh, a little bit more uh, kind of technical, this one of the things that uh, seems to uh, gain a bit of momentum and, and appears to have a bit more value is not so much the forecast itself, but the error estimate of that forecast. So, so, so let, me, let me explain. So if you're forecasting that your customers at a store will buy product 10 of product A, but your confidence that they're gonna buy product 10 of product A is high, uh, that will make you make a slightly different decision if you think that they'll buy 10, but actually they're more likely to buy 12 rather than eight if you see what I mean. So if you start looking around what your key forecast value is, uh, I think that now has some value in it in being able to make some uh, decisions around the core, the core value. Um, uh, supply chains uh, don't work in individual units, especially if you're talking about fast moving grocers. In some of the other supply chains, you could probably work on individual units. So. If you start looking a little bit around what your average forecast value is uh, and start looking at the confidence with which that forecast, uh, that, that prediction is made, you can probably make some more sophisticated decisions, especially around safety stock. Uh, again, you know, to my example, if, if you're not forecasting uh, uh, a consumption of 10, uh, but like I said, the, the likelihood of selling 12 is higher than 
the likelihood of selling eight, you may decide to send 12, as opposed to just sending 10 to the store. Mm. Catering for, and while you're carrying more cost uh, in terms of uh, inventory holding, uh, you're also uh, anticipating, you know, uh, perhaps what is a more likely uh, outcome. Again, mm. similarly, you know, if you're talking about fresh produce, you want to err on the, on the side of caution because produce or anything fresh in the supermarkets has a life and therefore you don't want to be risking throwing the product away. Mm. So I think there is, there is some elements around the forecast, which if used in a smart way, if you use it in an informed way, that can help you make some better decisions uh, around how you're replenishing uh, how you're replenishing your stores. Of course, you know, the whole book uh, is thrown out when you come to a pandemic where <laughs> when you no have really, no, no idea, really knows, no, really knows, <laughs> you know, how much you're going to buy today. Is it 20 week, uh, try to look 20 weeks out during the pandemic? Good luck. Exactly. So, mm. so that's, um, okay. That's kind of where I, where I am in my forecast, uh, accuracy thinking. I like it. It's good. Um, we, we need to stay on top of that. Um, so the, I'm going to stay on Woolworths. Uh, I've got a couple on Woolworths, actually. So they, they were in the news a bit. And Coles, I think historically, hasn't, you know, necessarily had a big tech profile, I wouldn't have said. But I think in the last few years, since it's IPO, at least, it's certainly, um, certainly been a lot more uh, outward facing, which is great. Um, but Woolworths uh, um, announced that it, it has um, extended its scan and go um, product to Western Australia, um, which takes the number of stores with um, with the capability to 25. This was a bit of a sleeper because I didn't realise that they'd actually rolled this out or were continually, you know, pushing this this out. So they started it last year. Um, no, actually, I think it's even older than that. It goes back to 2019 or, or something like that. But um, yeah, essentially, it's it's completely uh, mobile phone driven. Um, I can uh, scan all my products. I go to a station. I um, scan the QR code on my phone and ties into everyday rewards, digital receipt, and then I just walk out with the with the goods without having to go through a main lane or a or a self checkout. Um, really cool stuff um, and. Uh, you know, there's going to be more of this, and I've got one on Amazon Go and Amazon One um, a little bit later. But it, it just sort of, you know, again, occurred to me that that you know the great integration of being able to lev leverage the point of sale through a mobile app, um, integrated with loyalty, integrated with everyday rewards, contactless. Um, you know, it, it, there'll be some customers, not all, but, but, but that will that will continue to use that. And, and clearly the adoption's been good. So they're, they're continually rolling it out. Mm. Yeah, no, that, that, that is actually, um, it, it's, it's been around in a few places. It's been around on Melbourne and Sydney for a while now. And they keep pushing with that. I don't know if we cover it in this program, but um, there are now third party applications that you can actually just use to achieve the same effect, you you know they will provide you a platform uh, through which you can put your own brand, 
and enable um, you know customer checkout on a mobile or any kind of uh, smart device um, as you go along. So um, um, yeah, what was actually um, for those that get a chance to go and visit some of these stores, they've also solved their variable weight program problem by introducing some smart scales where it recognizes the product to some extent and then automatically generates a barcode. So it's a self-way scale. Mm. And it's actually got some smarts. So if you if you put something yellow kind of looking like a banana, it will decide that it's a banana and mm. uh, by using a camera and so on. So it's quite quite a smart thing. Like I said, there's uh, off-the-shelf uh, solutions now. We'll, we'll try and find the link and put it on the website if anyone's interested where uh, you know, you can, you buy it as a wide level, you brand it yourself and, and uh, you know, off you go, pretty, pretty quick smart. So that's good. That is very good. I wonder whether uh, the competition will, will uh, decide to catch up or not. We um, shall see. We shall all right, number, number three. Number three. Now, first of all, a uh, uh, kind of a geographic question, you know, uh, which is the capital of Ohio, the state of Ohio in the United States of America? Cleveland? Um, no, I don't know. No, is it Cleveland? No. What is it? No. Columbus. Columbus, okay. Ohio is the capital. Now, mm. probably what is uh, more, uh, um, the, the, the place which is probably more known is uh, Cincinnati, Ohio. Oh, I was going to say Cincinnati. Yes, yes. So Cincinnati, <laughs> Ohio. That was the other I'm one. Sh I'm sure you yeah. were going to say that. Yes. <laughs> uh, there's no doubt about that. Um, so Cincinnati, Ohio, and uh, it's a pretty, um, pretty dense uh, metropolitan area, um, Cincinnati. You know, the, the water area there um, um, has about and I'll, I'll get to why I'm bringing all this up. The wider Cincinnati area is about 12,000 square, 12,000 square kilometers, okay. just to put it into, into context. The whole area of Cincinnati is 12,000 square kilometers. Now, in, in that place, um, uh, there is a company called 80 Acres Farms. Now, just so we can pair this, 80 Acres, is 323 uh, square kilometers. Yeah, so we just get a bit of a of a of a area of a bit of a, a bit of a comparison. Uh, uh, or if you want to kind of put it into our context, it's probably uh, you know about um, let's say. 350, 400 uh, suburban blocks of Melbourne, more or less. Now, this company called Airaker Farms takes the stuff that we so love here, we talk so frequently to a new level. Um, this is all inner city growing of vegetables and they're called 80 acre farms, not because they occupy 80 acres, but that is the capacity of their individual vertical farms. Ah, I see, yep. Yep. Um, the capacity of their vertical farms corresponds to 80 acres of, of, farm, of, of actual farm. Uh, if, if it were outdoor. 
yeah. just the widow door. So I quite like the uh, the analogy. Yeah, and, that's good. Uh, one one of their uh, farms is right in the middle of Cincinnati, uh, downtown. Uh, now, uh, and this is quite a, a fairly advanced concept in that they don't only offer micro vegetables, but they now have a quite a wide range of products. Um, we spoke about before about uh, microgreens in the middle of New York, uh, but uh, now we're talking beyond uh, uh, microgreens. They actually produce tomatoes and baby cucumbers and a whole bunch of other uh, fresh herbs. Um, as well as some grab and go type of lunchy type of thing. So quite, quite exciting. They, they've got um, a number of these things. Uh, I think they're up to probably six of them uh, scattered around, uh, mostly on the east of, uh, of the United States. And uh, one of the, uh, I guess, Cincinnati locals, Kroger, one of the bigger uh, grocers in the US has uh, come to a deal and is stocking a lot of this um, um, is talking quite a lot of their of their produce. So, yeah, this is this is happening, mm -hmm. uh, and this is the first one where I've seen uh, at that kind of scale with uh, a reasonable variety of um, with a reasonable variety of produce. So uh, that's crazy, isn't it? Eighty uh, acres. Uh, we should say that this is 100% renewable energy. Uh, yeah. It will be, right? And it's all control conditions. So this is all under lights. There's no yeah. There's no variability. There's no pest. There's no pesticides. If there's no pest, there's no pesticides. <laughs> you know? uh, so, um, and they're working really hard on their packaging and how their packaging can be sustainable. So you don't know, you know, all that plastic that goes around. Mm. Um, so, um, uh, will this... Um, um, Arrive at some point in Australia uh, on our shows. I don't, I don't think we'll be too far off. Mm. Uh, and we've spoken to a couple of uh, people here in Melbourne that are looking into, into some uh, of these things. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's interesting. And the accessibility is great, isn't it? I mean, I think you mentioned um, in a previous edition mm. uh, the local restaurants, you know. Uh, um, or even the local grocers, right? Just the supply chain miles getting reduced extraordinary you know by a, by yeah. a large large amount really um right. because you're you're just not traveling you can um it changes the, right. the distribution model yeah, completely completely mm. uh mm. it's year round it's fully controlled uh so you know freshness it's, it's yeah freshness mm. and so we clear you know they yeah, they're talking uh, supplying about 300 uh, supermarkets so this is not sort of yeah. kind of uh, experimental pilot type of uh, concept type of stuff. They're, they're putting, uh, they're putting uh, the produce out uh, to about 300 uh, major supermarkets. So um, yeah, no waste, uh, fully recyclable, you know, nothing escapes. Mm. Um, it's revolutionary. I'm still quite, every, every time I see something like this, I'm, I'm quite amazed at the, how it can be done. Maybe we should open one of those in Australia ourselves. Uh, I'm sure it's only a matter of time where it, it becomes the norm. Um, and I'll talk a little bit about some less sustainable practices. Um, in a, but before we go there, um, number four, I'm going to stay on Woolworths because I, um, even though there's other segues I could have done based on that good one that you just, with the 80 acres farms, um, uh, just to round out our Australian um, uh, 
picture. Um, Woolworths abandoned cashless only trial. So they, at the height of COVID, um, there were a number of Metro stores that were only um, cashless. So no, weren't, weren't accepting cash. Um, started in July last year. Uh, however, they've completely abandoned it now. Um, there was a lot of concern uh, that they were marginalising a number of um, communities, uh, homeless people, precarious workers, cash workers, um, a whole bunch of, um, uh, you know, parts of society from accessing essential items effectively. So um, whilst uh, I think, you know, what this told me um whilst you know COVID certainly accelerated a, a lot of thinking around payments and, and well, a whole bunch of different areas really remote working um it, you know it doesn't necessarily you go to you don't necessarily go to the end it, it's like a push forward but um you know there's still the need to 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 be inclusive and, and there's still a whole bunch of people that that will only deal in cash and just like they have to go into the office, just like, um, uh, you know, so the, the future of work is accelerated but and the future of payments, but it, it's certainly not there yet. So it's all worth reverting back to accepting cash. That's very interesting, isn't it? Um, uh, I mean, I, I um, yes. Look, um, I think some of these things are, are, are going to stay and some of them are accelerated just to play on your cash only kind of thing. One thing you'll notice a lot in uh, both large grocers in Australia is their uh, really strong push for self-checkouts. Uh, so in recent times, uh, we've seen full belt self-checkouts at the supermarkets and fewer and fewer people. You can see how the contactless COVID, mm. you know, all of that, yeah. So that place to the scan and go and yeah, that's all right. of that, right? Place, place to all of that. Yeah, mm. place to all of that. The scan and go, and the cashless. Now, uh, you know, um, I, I think I think that's still um, uh, the you know there will continue to be an element of cash. It'll be interesting to see what the demographics of that cash is as well, and you know how is that biased? Yeah, how is that distributed across the age groups? And, and there's something about, um, you know, the grocery store as a community, like for some groups, they go there to talk to the cashier, you know, or the, the checkout person, right? Like they, they actually go there for to talk to someone because they actually are disconnected in their, you know, lives. And so what, what we're doing is we're reducing the opportunity from which to have those moments where you do talk to someone <laughs> um, by going having more self-checkouts and, and and it's marginalizing a lot of you know you know older demographics and mm. I think there's a there's a real interesting consequence here of you know what we're doing by you know you, you can now go to the grocery store and not talk to anyone and just go in and go out now some people like that I'm probably a bit like I'd that. Ca I'd, ca I'd call that an extremely <laughs> good experience. But there are a whole bunch of other people that actually, they want the chit-chat. They want to talk about mm -hmm. the weather. And and this is just removing that. Um, so uh, this, is, this is kind of interesting. We're removing all those opportunities to have little conversations with people. Um, 
So that's a anyway, good, uh, that's a good observation. Yeah. Okay, number five. Geez, we're we're going at a snail's pace today. We've got lots to talk about. Mm -hmm. Number five, Tim. Is it me? It's you. It's yeah. Very quickly. <laughs> Uh, okay, all right. Now, uh, number five, I'll just let me get into shape. Get into shape. Um, we spoke uh, in passing uh, about this uh, maybe maybe last week or the one before. Um, uh, sticking to retail, but expanding out of grocery and going to, I guess, department store and general merchandise and apparel. Uh, one of the things that um, seems to um, and I don't know whether this is a surprise or not, but one of the things, one of the recent trends is starting to see pure online brands, uh, something like, uh, I don't know, Everlane, which offers quite a variety, of, quite a wide variety of um, apparel and a bunch of other things, uh, now appearing on supermarket shelves. So it's becoming, you know, now obviously not the whole extended range, but uh, uh, it's becoming now trendy to see Everlane, say, inside Mile or inside North oh, yeah. for that, for that matter yeah. in the United States. Now, this is not terribly new in the sense that, you know, Amazon started as a pure play and sooner or later, you know, we now have Amazon bookstores or Amazon mm. stores uh, and now we have Amazon supermarkets and we have Amazon a bunch of other Mm. Uh, shop and go and, and a mm. bunch of Amazon go sorry Amazon go and a bunch of other things so not 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 terribly surprised but it, it, it is interesting that mostly the the retailers the bricks retailers are now seeking to bring in the pure play into into their stores mm. and, and while this may be you know um, a value at the beginning I, I wonder whether this is Kind of the last hurrah, because uh, once you start bringing the pure play into your stores, mm. you just effectively given up the last uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, that's point right. of differentiation. You know, so I wonder whether that's the the one bit before <laughs> the, <final. laughs> the last domino. Yeah, before the final bit. Because <laughs> yeah, effectively, what you're doing now is you showrooming. Yeah, that's right. Uh, officially. Mm. You know, you, you show yeah. them officially, uh, and, and the brands are the brands are moving. Uh, the brands are moving direct to consumer. There is no doubt about that. And oh yes, I, I've got one on that. Yeah. What about Nike and, and you might mm. be talking about? I don't know if you're going to be talking about Adidas, uh, but they having a Adidas is now set a target of fifty percent direct to consumer sales. Yeah. Their entire sales. 50% DTC. So mm. it's very, it's very, it's very interesting. And uh, I'll be, I'll be watching this uh, thing now. We haven't quite seen it in uh, our, um, uh, in our department stores yet, mm. but uh, I suspect uh, we might see, start seeing some of that. Again, like I said, it's interesting to see how this plays out. Uh, and, um, you know, whether this is kind of the final, you know, this is the, yeah, the one and, that's and, gonna break the camel's back, you know. <laughs> and you can see, um, uh, like the Nike, what they're doing, even with their um, digital strategy, the number of apps that they're producing that are all kind of 
connected in some way they that relationship building that they're doing is um it, it's all strategic investment so you know completely shut down the district you know they're just going to completely own the um the customer um uh, so yeah so I, I think it's it's fast it's fascinating to watch um and yeah well so my one on exactly that topic was volvo um so the the article i read their plans to go fully electric by 2030 and only sell cars online so um no dealerships um direct relationships with customers uh, and they're going to be 50 percent um to that target by 2025 which isn't that far away if you think about it least four years so for a brand like volvo um you know to to uh that that's going to be the model you know is everything be fully electric and and you know only online <laughs> that's how you get your car <laughs> uh, the, um, this is uh um this is uh sort of the the way the elon way it's the elon way, way. tony this stark is this is the yep. tesla way mm. i mean uh volvo are not I'm not quite sure where they are in global scale. They're not in the top 10, I guess, but they're a significant uh, marquee, right? I mean, they're not mm. you know, they're a well-known brand and very significant marquee. So, you know, uh, they, um, you're reading, um, yeah, it's a glimpse of the future. That's it. Mm. Yeah. Uh, but they're, they're big, the they're big statements, right? Like they're, they're basically positioning the company. It's, it's, it's repositioning the company and their mm. combustion engine is dead and that's it. Let's... Yeah. Mm. Well, look, I, I, this this uh, it's an interesting subject. This one, and it, it's I wasn't going to kind of uh, mention, refer to it today explicitly. But you know, one of the things I've been thinking recently is a related thing uh, called roadside assistance. Now, we are lucky enough, privileged enough, I guess, to be iceless, mm. a family that doesn't have any internal combustion engine vehicles. <laughs> uh, uh, iceless. Uh, I like iceless. that. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we're lucky enough to be iceless and, uh, and, and fortunate enough. And, uh, you know, one of the things that you have to reconsider is roadside assistance because, you know, your typical roadside assistance will come and, you know, change the battery. Well, you know, get tricky <laughs> with electric vehicles. You know, they, they'll come and, I don't know, you know, replace the thing, hit the alternator or something. Yeah. If, you, if you look at an electric vehicle, there is nothing they can hit. The only thing... <laughs> The only thing they can do is just if you can't move anymore, you know, maybe <laughs> give you a spare tire or something, and and then no truck. take yeah. you somewhere. Yeah, exactly, yeah, take yeah. you somewhere. So, so you know, I was I was looking at our roadside assistance uh, uh, subscription, and I was wondering whether, you know, does this make sense anymore? You know, like <laughs> why would I have this? I mean, I, I probably will, but I, I was just looking at options. So, did Tesla um, have roadside? Did they have their own? They, or they do. They do have yeah. their own. Tesla has okay. their own. Um, they're not. They're not the best. Yeah, I was uh, going to say like and, that requires uh, so a network, and it, it would you know, be independent. It's independence in the RAA sort of system, isn't it? It's like yeah. yeah. So th there is a bit of there is a bit of thinking to be done here. I mean, yeah, is, yeah. For, for 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 Australia, we're breaking new ground. Mm. Uh, I think the AA in the states uh, has a different program. Mm. The, this is the Automobile Association. Uh, they have mm. the United States have some different programs. And it's an area where we'll come back. I'm going to do some digging on this and just find yeah. out what is going on in this space. Because like I said, you know, the guy that turns up with a tool case, well, that ain't very useful in an electric vehicle anymore. You, know, uh, uh, you, you don't want to be taking the screwdriver out. There's very little no. to do. 
I mean, maybe if you come up with a laptop, you might be able to do something. Yeah, I was going to say, like some instant yeah. lithium charger of some, I don't know. Something. There is some of that. There is, there is some of that. Uh, there mm. is a service uh, being uh, about to start in Australia where somebody turns up with a, a massive battery. Yeah. Uh, and they give you a bit of a go, a go, uh, a charge on the go. Mm. The biggest problem with a lot of the electric vehicles or the Teslas at any rate is that they don't carry spares. Mm. Uh, and while they have uh, uh, tires you can run flat, they're not mm. great. So, you know, anyway, so I digress, but uh, that was a little bit. Okay. Does that, does that count as seven? That can count as seven. Of course it can. Oh, there we go. I think that that's, um, yeah, that yeah. We're, 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 we're sort of, you know, ticking over 40 minutes. So that's, that's probably about right for seven. Um, there we go. All right. Well, that means that's me at eight. So I, um, Oh, well, look, you know, we, we can't can't go attend things Friday without some sort of Amazon around the grounds. Um, <laughs> so I, uh, um, well, you know, some interesting little, and you've got to stay on top. It just moves so bloody quickly, this, this story. So, so the first Amazon Go store opened in West London this week. So this is the, oh. you know, go in and the out. First, the um, first outside the US. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a plan for about 30 of them. Um, and uh, so that, that's happened. Amazon purchased 11 more Boeing 767-300 aircraft. I can see why they did that because uh, I've ordered something from Amazon recently from Amazon US and it's taking its many time to arrive. So good on them. Bought them from Delta and uh, one of the other airlines. <laughs> well, I that's imagine they've all got a few planes lying around yeah, going cheap. Right. So why not? Um, it will be a quiz question in the next six months. Pub quiz question: Which is the biggest airline company in the world? Yeah, that's Amazon. it. Yep, we'll be getting there very quickly. Um, in terms of the Amazon One palm reading biometric system that we've uh, talked about here before, that's now yeah, rolled out. Your future. Your future. That's now rolled out to three more Amazon Go stores, uh, and uh, a little bit of how it works, which I thought was interesting. So what you do is you insert your credit card, you hover your palm over the device. Um, it then associates the credit card with your um, signature and you are now enrolled with Amazon One. So um, when you go into an Amazon Go store, all you do is you put your hand over the reader um, uh, and then that's it. Um, that's checkout. Beep. What, <laughs> How what, cool what is happens, that? What happens if the, if the lifeline <laughs> is not very long, you know, they... <laughs> or someone cuts off your hand and... <laughs> <laughs> That is very good. There you go. Oh God, I, I I'd like to go and experience one of those as soon as yeah. the pandemic is over. I will, uh, <laughs> I'd like to go and experience one of those. Um, Future right. payments. Okay, uh, you got number nine. Number nine. Number nine. Now, well, uh, this is uh, uh, straight out of uh, the pandemic and uh, um, uh, comes out of a. Uh, article in Bloomberg uh, this week uh, where the four-day week uh, is apparently imminent. Uh, the, you know, not work Friday, 
is is uh, almost about to happen. Uh, it's a German uh, brand called Erwin Firm, uh, and they've already told people to sign off at around lunchtime every Friday. Um, you know, from the six day week, seven day week to the five day week, now we're going to go to the four day week. Um, there, um, I think people are slowly realizing that, you know, there are different ways of productivity and, you know, how it's so easy now, you know, while well, before there was a, 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 I know why you laugh. <laughs> we don't quite practice the uh, four day a week in recent times, but that's this is calling the kettle black. I can't believe that you're mentioning uh, this. You are not, not, you are, you in particular mentioning this given just the volume of work and stuff to do that is out there at the moment. But anyway, oh, yeah. I digress. <laughs> okay, all right. Okay, well, I'll, I'll just stop here anyway. So there's an aspirational target for a four-day week. Uh, reality is, uh, yeah. reality is, dear listeners, that if there were 10 days in the week, we will be able to work all 10 of them at this point in time. <laughs> as uh, our appetite and uh, our professional client's appetite is just voracious. Yeah, for me, if there were four days in the week, we'd be trying to cram 11 days into four. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, this but is the 11 anyway. day a week. 11 day a week. No, where... It's the four day, four day physical week. Yeah. <laughs> 11 days of stuff to do in there what, what is what is yeah. trying to say here is that lunchtime friday you just close down one of the laptops <laughs> the other three are still open <laughs> oh excellent um yeah, all right that's good that was a fitting yeah moment. yeah no, that was funny i i appreciate your sense of humor <laughs> um okay so my last one is uh my topic of interest for the moment, actually, I'm, I'm getting into the, the non-fungible tokens, NFTs, um, and my background is a, uh, it's a piece of digital art by a, um, a chap called Beeples. It's not his real name. His real name is Mark somebody. But um, anyway, he, he has an impressive body of work. Like he has effectively done uh, a piece of digital art that he's posted online every day since 2007 like he's a digital artist and, and that's um but he's done 5,000 individual pieces of art um which is wow. this collage be behind me um now this was all put together in a single you know giant you know image that you've high resolution image and it was sold um on the blockchain as a uh you know with the nft um, you know, imprint on, um, and it was sold by Christie's, who interestingly also offered to accept payment in Ethereum. But uh, this piece of artwork sold for $69 million, um, which is the third highest auction price ever for a living artist. So, so for a digital piece of artwork, um, and, you know, the... And you bought the, it. <laughs> I didn't buy it, but this, someone bought it for $69 million. Yeah, oh, but this is the thing about these um, digital art pieces of art, right? Like I can, 
I can have this and I can, I can download the same thing, um, a copy of it. It's like, you know, it's effectively the same as like having a copy of the Mona Lisa, right? Like it, but the difference being that this is the, you know, the NFT version is the, um, the authorized, um, you know, single version of it uh, that, is, um, uh, that is on the blockchain. Um, and I think it's a good way to think of it. You know, it's like a trading card. It's like a rare trading card or, um, but uh, yeah. But, and th so the other interesting part to all of this is, um, so it's all underneath the, the, um, the, the blockchain. It's run by um, Ethereum. And um, one of the problems with Ethereum is that, um, but if you want to mint a new piece of artwork, it can use somewhere between weeks, months, and years of an average US citizen's energy consumption to put it on the blockchain. Mm. <laughs> so there's some real problems with the amount of energy usage that's required mm. to actually mm. instantiate something using Ethereum. And there's a whole lot of research going around around how does it you know, um, use different um, cryptographic techniques to not be so energy intensive. Um, but it, it is an extraordinary amount of energy. I and mean, we've, we've talked about some of the great initiatives that just saving energy, this whole craze of NFTs and, and it's actually um, causing energy to, <laughs> to be consumed beyond belief. I think this was something uh, we'll dig a bit deeper on that uh, the next uh, episode. Uh, it was at the front of my mind too. I, I think we're killing the planet. We, we spoke about how some of these things are a sledgehammer for a very, very, very small nut. Like uh, I get, I get the security of it, but the way it's done, it, it, it's just not efficient. It's just, it, it's just, um, you know, a very, very big sledgehammer for a mm. tiny, tiny, tiny nut. So. Hmm. We'll, we'll get back to this because uh, the consumption for some of these things exceeds yeah. the consumption of, of entire countries. Yep. And, no, that's and, right. Uh, considering that a lot of this is done on fossil fuel, at the back of fossil fuel hmm. energy, uh, you know, um, cryptocurrency or at least the, the way that it's been implemented uh, and mining of it and so on and so forth is probably killing the planet. But we'll, we'll get with some facts on this. Uh, and, and if you think of this increasing market where people want to trade more, mm. the underlying blockchain is so energy inefficient that yeah. so we're, we're creating this big market that's going to have more trades yeah. and more trades and more trades. And it's just going to make this whole problem worse. Um, and yeah, it absolutely so it absolutely will. And there's no, you know, like I said, you know, while the concept is it's actually not new, you know, because public mm. key, public key cryptography has been around for a very, very, very long time, or modern time anyway. Uh, the way this has been implemented, it's just not really terribly efficient. You know, you, you can get security in a lot of better ways without kind of destroying the planet along, along with it. But mm. we'll, we'll get back to that with some more facts about this. Um, mm. Not entirely happy about uh, how the, the turn this is taking. No, agreed. Very good. Well, uh, that concludes another 10 things for the fortnight. Uh, thank you all for listening once again. Uh, Action-packed as always. Um, have a wonderful 
a couple of weeks and uh, we will talk to you again soon. Cheerio, everyone.